This is the Getsy Health Podcast with Janique and Tristan Roney. Hey, you guys, welcome back to the Gutsy Health Podcast. Welcome. We have a really, really great interview today. You're going to love this one. I'm really excited for this, actually. Um, Our guest today is Nina Boyce, and she is a women's hormone expert. And I know so many of our followers, people on Instagram and people that listen to our podcast have hormonal issues. I mean, if you live in today's age, you have hormonal issues because we are so surrounded by things that disrupt our endocrine systems. And also if you're a guy that listens to our show, even if there aren't a lot of you, uh, don't check out now, keep listening to this because this, I believe is so important to understand, even if you are not a woman, because you probably interact with women, you may have some that you even live with and understanding what's happening for them will make things so much easier for you to understand what's going on and it'll make it easier for you to support them and help them. So, um, on that note, Nina, thank you so much for your time today. Uh, please can you introduce yourself to the listeners, um, and tell us your story. Hi, well, thank you guys so much for having me on the show. I'm so honored to be here and better obviously such a perfect fit for everything that I believe in and everything you're preaching here on the podcast. So I'm so happy to be here. Um, well, like you mentioned, my name is Nina Boyce and I'm a women's hormone coach and also podcaster. And, uh, I really got into this line of work after struggling with my own hormones and anxiety from kind of a young age. I always struggled with anxiety. Um, but it wasn't until really like my college years that it started to affect my life and get worse. So yeah, it was just a lot, you know, in college, for example, you're not eating the way you should be eating. Exactly. Pretty pretty much a given. And you're stressed Um, out of your mind too. Right. Yeah. You have so much going on. Mm -hmm. And I always was a person that was just on the go. Like I said, even when I was younger, I had a brother with severe special needs. So I feel like everything in my life was just heightened a little bit. You know, I kind of, I lived in that fight or flight mode. I was just used to that. But in college, you know, you're taking classes, you're not eating well. I started taking birth control at that time, which little did I know was affecting my body in ways that I would, Mm -hmm. I would soon later find out, you know, years down the road. Yes. Um, but I kind of just pushed through all of it and I was ignoring the signs that I was getting chronic headaches all the time. And, mm-hmm. you know, um, I was having these bouts of anxiety that were more severe than I'd ever experienced before, but I just, I kept pushing through yes. and, you know, I graduated school. I started my full-time job. I was a music teacher, a middle school choir director. Mm-hmm. I worked at two buildings. So I had over 550 kids. I just wasn't slowing down. You know, I mm-hmm. just, it just kept, kept going on. and going. <laughs> kept yeah, running up. Exactly. Kept going. Um, I was in, recently engaged. I was getting um, my master's degree and I was planning a trip for my kids to go to Carnegie Hall and sing in New York City. And oh. I remember at this time, I mean, I was running on, I think like granola bars and trying to ice coffee. That was just my life, you know? But I felt like almost like superwoman in a way. Like, Mm -hmm. oh, look at me. Like, I can just keep going. Look at all the stuff I'm doing. But it wasn't until all of those things kind of slowed down that my anxiety just, it spiked to uncontrollable levels. Mm -hmm. I was, I had my first panic attack. My face started breaking out. I was getting cystic acne. I had stopped the pill because I thought that was what was causing the issues and I'm sure it wasn't helping. Yeah. But my period then was 
all over the place. I was spotting inconsistently. I had terrible menstrual cramps and I just knew that something was going on underneath the surface. I needed help. Yeah. So of course I went to my doctors. Yes. But <laughs> Thinking didn't, they had didn't the really get, Yeah. Didn't really get the answers I was looking for because mm-hmm. my, my physician just said, well, you know, everything's fine with your blood work. I think let's just put you on Lexapro. And if you're nervous and have anxiety about taking the Lexapro, which I did, we'll put you on Xanax, help with that. And so I just was like, not feeling those answers. So they basically said, this sounds like a a mental health thing. We're going to give you some medication to help you relax and not be depressed. Right. Exactly. When, you know, sometimes when I think back on it, I'm like, ah, maybe it would have been nice to just sort of give myself a little bit relief if I would have taken that route. But in the end, it wasn't a solution. You know, it was, I needed to go deeper than that. It was a band aid. And, and, exactly. And oftentimes, like, even when it comes to hormone issues, did they even think it was a hormone thing at all? Like, were they just like, no, this no. is just... A-. Okay, so they weren't even looking at hormones. But, like, typically no. when you say, I have a hormone issue, the answer is, well, let's just put you on birth control. Right? Absolutely. Because then I went to my gynecologist. And I... Because I asked my doctor, my physician, I said, can I get my hormones tested? I feel like it's something to do with my hormones. Mm-hmm. And she said, we don't really do that here, but you can ask your gynecologist. And when mm-hmm. I went in, I brought in, I had taken like a saliva test too at that point. Mm-hmm. And I brought in my saliva test. I was like, I know that I'm struggling with like low progesterone and like high estrogen. What's going on? And mm-hmm. she was just like, well, those can kind of be inaccurate and we don't need to test your hormones. Let's just put you on birth control. Oh you know, it was just gosh. very much, it was very much shut down. You're kidding. So they wouldn't even look deeper for you. They were no. just saying, mm-hmm. nope, nope, the Band-Aid solution is birth control because that fixes everything. How right. many, how many yeah. years had you been on birth control when you went off of it? So I got on birth control my freshman year of college mm-hmm. and then I stayed on that all four years. I think, I think it was six or seven years on birth control, okay. but I was on, not on and off, but I tried a lot of different types of birth control. So I would try the mini pill because I felt like maybe the estrogen was affecting all of my mood swings and the yeah. weight gain I was experiencing. And then I tried the NuvaRing. And so I kept like playing around with different brands because I thought it was me that was the, you know, it was like, it has to be the birth control. It's a different type. Maybe that will work, but yeah. nothing ever worked. Yes. And so, okay. So you go to your, um, your gynecologist and he says, no, we don't really do blood work. No. Uh, oh yeah. Sorry, who was it? Sorry. It was your gynecologist. Is that correct? Yeah. So my, my family doctor was the one that told me not that they don't really do blood work for okay. hormones. Okay. So then to go to the gynecologist and my gynecologist just kind of shut it down okay. and didn't think it was necessary. So where did you go from there? So that's when I decided to take all of this into my own hands. And I started Googling. That's really where it began for me, like Googling nutrition for anxiety. And I will say I was on Pinterest. I remember this so vividly. And it was like, eat, eat more bananas or eat more dark dark chocolate for magnesium, you know? Mm -hmm. And if you're just going to eat a banana or dark chocolate, that's not going to just, you know, make your anxiety (laughs) miraculously (laughs) go away. (laughs) But that was kind of the start for me. Mm -hmm. And I was on, uh, the diet train, but not for weight loss. I was like, Oh, I'm paleo now because this is going to get rid of my anxiety and my hormone issues. I'm keto now and I'm vegan, you know? So I tried all of these different diets, Mm -hmm. but what it came down to was just changing to a whole foods based Mm -hmm. diet and reducing my inflammation that I slowly, like the veil started to lift. And then I was able to 
then I was like doing yoga and meditation. So it was kind of a slow process of just getting into the holistic health world, really. Yeah. Well, because it's such a, it's, it's such a daunting world because there's so much information and we've spoken about this before on other podcasts where no one can agree on like the solution, but what, people fail to recognize is there's no one solution for every person other than eat more veggies, eat more healthy fats. You know what I mean? Like cut out sugar, you know? And so, so we're all like debating each other on the nitty gritty when we're not taking into account everyone's individual bio uh, chemical needs. Well, and I think the other thing that goes into that is that it's a holistic approach. Mm -hmm. Like, like you said, Nina, you weren't just changing your diet. You were also making some big lifestyle changes by getting, getting into the meditation and the yoga and really kind of taking control of, of every aspect of your life. Exactly. Yeah. So, okay. No, absolutely. So you, at this point you are, you're changing your nutrition, your stress, because you had the cystic acne, you had the, um, the anxiety and the panic attacks. How long did it take you to feel like you had arrived? Hmm. You know, (laughs) as soon as I started and this is probably four and a half years ago mm-hmm. now. Mm-hmm. But as soon as I started really changing the diet mm-hmm. and also actively reducing my stress response, so getting my body out of the sympathetic state, you know, and yes. making sure I was getting into that rest and digest, I started to feel, like I said, that veil lift, like immediate changes. Yeah. Now, my body wasn't where it is today, but I had the ability then to think more clearly. Mm-hmm. I, my hormones and my anxiety were starting to balance itself out so that I was able to, you know, get up and do the things I wanted to do. Yes. I started to feel better pretty quickly with that. That's amazing. But even now, um, you know, four and a half years later, I'm still working on things like you guys mentioned. Yes. It's not just about nutrition. I've been eating well for a very long time now, mm-hmm. but now it's kind of looking into other things that are going on with me, like maybe some nutrient deficiencies and mm-hmm. maybe there's, you know, there's always things that can be done, yes. but I think when you change your diet and you reduce your stress response, you'll start to feel better pretty quickly. And I love that you mentioned that because I want listeners to really understand like healing is a constant journey. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like, like you're not going to embark on it on day one and in seven days you're a new person. Like, like you said, the veil will start lifting the fog, the, you know, the extremes of like extreme fatigue and extreme anxiety. But, um, a lot of people will say, Hey, I've been on this menu plan now for, you know, a few weeks and I'm still having hormonal issues. Like how long, like, what can I do? Mm -hmm. And I'm like, you're doing it. Like, but you just have to wait. You have to let the body kick in and heal itself. It can do that, but it has to do that on its own timeline. Like everything works in like a synchronicity, but the body synchronicity is, is slow. You know, it's, it's kind of like mother nature, right? Like a flower doesn't grow over overnight. It takes several weeks, you know? And so, um, so I really want listeners to understand that, that this is a constant learning journey. You will start to feel better, but it is, it just takes some time. So, so, oh, go ahead. I just want to say this too, when it comes to your hormones specifically, you need to give yourself, depending on what you're struggling with, at least, at least three months for something. Like if if you're dealing with PMS or menstrual cramping, Mm -hmm. I mean, number one, you got to give yourself a full cycle to get things going. But three months is kind of like that benchmark to see if you're starting to see some changes. And then for some people, like even like say you're dealing with amenorrhea and you haven't had a period, giving yourself your body like three to six months Mm -hmm. And even longer sometimes can 
is, yeah, something you just got to expect. I totally, I totally agree with that. Actually, we just told one of our members that last night I was messaging her because she wanted to, um, she wanted to detox estrogen really fast. And I'm like, you know what? You've just started healing. Let's give it. And I exact, I said three months. I'm like, give it three months. Like, and if nothing is moving, then we'll get more aggressive. But I feel like nutrition, like just changing the fundamentals is like 90% of the work. Don't you think? Absolutely. Yeah. It's the first step I start with, with my clients. It's the first thing I did for myself. Mm -hmm. And then I do pair it with the mental stuff as well, because you know, the way if you're negatively talking down to yourself or you're, you're really thinking black and white when it comes to food and it's just, you can cause more stress on the body just by the way that you're thinking. So it's really pairing both of those, but the easiest first step is changing your nutrition. Yes. I, oh my gosh, I totally agree with that. So, so tell us a little bit more about what you do now, because you mentioned the coaching and I want other listeners to know um, what it is that you do and how you help other people in this space now, because it took you probably several years to figure it out because doctors weren't helping you with that. So you did the research, you healed yourself. And then what did you do? So then I decided because I could not stop talking about this you know once you <laughs> yes. once you start feeling better yep. you have to share with everybody yeah. so the first thing I did um was I started a podcast uh-huh. as you guys I'm sure did too why you started this show but I started a podcast and what's the name of that podcast stuff. so everyone can so right now um I recently rebranded so right now it's healing hormones mm-hmm. and I've taken the show solo and I talk solely about hormonal health but back then when I was still teaching it was called finding your shine and I co-hosted it with my best friend Liz And we just talked about all aspects of health and wellness and women empowerment. Um, So that was kind of like the start. But as I got into that world and I was having these incredible conversations with people, it like expanded my mind to things that I had never knew I could even get into. Mm -hmm. Um, I was so passionate about this work that I got my certificate at the Institute for Integrative Nutrition, became a certified health coach. And I also went through their program, their advanced gut health course and their advanced hormone course. And now I teach or I coach women one-on-one and we have four month programs together where we focus on all aspects of hormonal healing. So nutrition, gut health, liver support, stress reduction. And I recently am Reiki 2 certified. So I'm a Reiki practitioner now who I incorporate a lot of energetic work uh, and how that affects the body as well. Very cool. That is a really cool combination of skills. And I I think that just goes once again to show how you've really incorporated a whole lifestyle uh, factor Mm -hmm. into your work where you're not just the nutrition person or you're not just the mental health person. You're making sure that they're covering all of their bases. And I, and I also want to point out too, like, I do respect the medical industry a lot, but I want listeners to, to really hear your story. You were a music teacher and you became a hormone expert, like you healed yourself and now you're helping other people. So this is what I like to call the nobodies helping the nobodies. And I say, (laughs) and like, and that seems really like harsh, but 
in the in our culture, the somebodies are these doctors, right? These people with their PhDs and their MDs. And in our culture, we are designed and groomed to only respect their opinions. And so the beauty, I think, of this platform that we have is we're finding like-minded people like you, the person who is the nobody, talking to nobodies like us because none of us have mm-hmm. PhDs and we're healing ourselves. We're healing our mm-hmm. bodies and we're empowering other people with that knowledge to do the same. And let them know and believe that they can, that they don't need to spend thousands upon thousands of dollars trying to get the opinions of doctor's care, you know, or the, the doctor's care or holding them or hand holding them through that. Does that make sense? Oh my gosh. I resonate that with that 100%. And I always say the doctors are, doctors are, you know, experts in their field. Absolutely. And we need them for, uh, you know, emergency situation. Totally. If I have, if I'm in a car accident, like, please take me to, to a the doctor. doctor yes. Or if I, <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. but they're not an expert on your body. And no. so where the, where Western medicine, unfortunately is failing is when it comes to chronic conditions, autoimmunity, women's health in general. Exactly. Like, and most of the research that has ever been done on women's health has been like based on men. So there's just so many, there's so so many issues when it comes to, yeah, like chronic conditions Mm -hmm. and autoimmunity and women's health. Yeah. Well, and I feel like the research is really slow in this area because only just now are, and like there are some more open-minded doctors that are recognizing environmental toxins are messing up with our hormones, but it's yeah. not being spoken about in the mainstream medical world. And so we're having to go to got to to Dr. Google and look this up. You know what I mean? Like, and I use that in a snarky sense because doctors are always mocking the Dr. Google. You know, and it's like, well, you know what? That's actually a very empowering tool because it's us connecting to other sources of information and finding out mm-hmm. this really important important um, stuff about our environment, about our bodies. And it's, it's the, it's the platform that we leap off of from Google to understand, oh, there are such things called xenotoxins. Or in in a lot of cases, DuckDuckGo instead because they don't censor like Google does. Yes. So if you're (laughs) trying to research like health issues, like go to DuckDuckGo.com and they'll give you way more information. Um, Because we've had that issue where we've tried to look up certain articles. A lot of the topics that we talk about, like Mm -hmm. vaccines, for instance, if you go and search on Google, it's not going to show you much other than what the official line is. There, There was another topic that we were trying to look up where they actually kicked out doctors from Sierra Leone who were curing Ebola using ozone therapy. And I could not find that article on Google. But then as soon as I went to DuckDuckGo, but but this is why that happened. Sorry, this is a little bit of a tangent, but because the, um, because Big Pharma complained to the World Health Organization and the World Health Organization um, kicked out, well, forced the government of Sierra Leone to kick out those doctors. And so uh, isn't that unbelievable? But you won't find that on Google. this is our problem. Yeah. But mm-hmm. this, is, this is the problem is that Big Pharma is controlling so much. so much. And, you know, and I just, talk, well, here's a side note as well, as we're, <laughs> we're going off on a tangent. <laughs> just, just recently, not even a month ago, I went to go see my gynecologist. And now I'm obviously very empowered in the things that I know now and yeah. advocating for my own health. But I've been struggling with some period pain still and back pain. And I really, I really want to see if there's some endometriosis going on to me. Mm-hmm. And um, so I go in and I'm advocating for myself, try, you know, telling her, I, I really, I work with women hormones all the time like this is what I do now and she goes 
I really think you need to stop Googling. Oh and I was my like, gosh. What? what? I'm, yeah. not even, I'm not even joking. No. Really, you feel, it really makes you feel dumb. You know, like wow. I, I'm not just Googling. Like maybe I will Google, but I also have books from leading doctors in the yes. women's health space. I've also taken courses on this. I'm not just Googling and just trying to be difficult for the sake of being difficult. Um, I know yeah. that there are these things underneath the surface that we can start to get to the root of. And sometimes I feel like, you, well, you also just have to find the doctor that's willing to listen to you. But yeah. I've had that specifically happen to me. Mm-hmm. That, that's wow. incredible and so infuriating. And yet happens all the time. I, can, I probably mm-hmm. have a new person weekly tell me that exact same story. And it needs to stop. Yeah. Like this needs to stop. We need, I don't want to say publicly shame our doctors, but we need to fire them. You know what I mean? We need to be like, I'm sorry, you're not an empowering doctor at all. Like you're, we're done. You know, we yeah. need to start voicing. Like, so what did you say to that? I, I just want to, I want to hear the rest of the story. Did you like give her like a full mouthful or were you like, okay, so, thanks. Bye. I think I said something along the lines of, well, I'm not just Googling and I actually research all of this, but yeah. at the same time, I feel like I've had these conversations on, on my own show. Mm-hmm. They know what they know yes. and we know what we know. And exactly. They, and there's benefits to both, you know? Yeah. And so I feel like sometimes there's no point in me arguing because my goal is I am empowered, like I said, and mm-hmm. I know that I can go other routes. So I'm going to go to my true. gynecologist for what I'm going to go to her for. I'm going to get my pap smear. Mm-hmm. I'm going to go to get my yep. um, internal ultrasound, you know? Yes. And I'm going to know that when I go to her telling her I'm having these issues, she's going to prescribe birth control or mm-hmm. in my case, Oralissa, which is supposed to help with endometriosis pain. Yeah. I know that. But mm-hmm. I also know what I can take in and what to listen to and whatnot too. Yes. So I love yeah. that. I love that. And one thing that I just want to add to that is I love how you said there's no point in arguing because she knows what she knows. And we need to be okay with that and recognize that they don't know everything. But another thing I tell people, the most like the most uh, empowering thing you can do because big pharma only speaks the language of money. So you take your money away from big pharma. That's the only way you fight against this machine. You don't yell at it. You don't throw stones at it. You just remove your money from it. You know, you educate yourself and you take your business somewhere else. And that is the other thing. You have to educate yourself. Mm -hmm. Yes. And and that's one of the big problems with Western medicine is that it has taken all of the power completely away from Mm -hmm. the people and it has concentrated all of the information with the power holders, which yes. are the, the medical associations, the insurance companies, the doctors. 100%. And so not mm-hmm. only are we helpless when it comes to making decisions about our own health, but we're clueless. Mm-hmm. I mean, how many women out there really understand the, the ovulation cycle? None. I, no. I, I don't know it very well, mm-hmm. but, but it also, I don't have it in my body. And I know so many women who know even less than I do about it. Yeah. So, mm-hmm. so w- on that note, let's jump in to some of the nitty gritty and some stuff that people can start listening to and researching. I would love to talk about the menstrual cycle. I'd love to talk about gut health, liver health. Um, where should we start, Nina? Where do you think listeners, what, what do they need to listen to first? Well, I would say if you are struggling with hormone imbalance or PMS or anything in general related to women's health, the first thing you need to do is you need to start listening to nutrition first, which we've already kind of covered. Yes. But our hormones are made by, you know, quality protein, amino acids, mm-hmm. and essential fatty acids. So making sure that you are eating the right type of protein for your body and getting in the right amount of healthy fats is going yes. to be huge. Of course, 
as everybody always says, leafy greens, getting in lots of fibrous vegetables, cruciferous veggies, you know, starting to make those little changes are going to serve your body and your hormones so much more than anything else you can start with. Um, And particularly, like, this is kind of my go-to thing with any of my clients that I start with. It starts with breakfast. So if you can just give your body the nutrients it needs to stabilize your blood sugar throughout the day, you're going to give yourself such a support. Um, But then, you know, the next step is kind of removing things that are causing inflammation and are affecting the gut. Because when the gut needs healing, you're not going to be able to detox, you know, a lot of times excess estrogen from the body. Totally. Or toxins from the body that are causing your hormone imbalance. Exactly. Exactly. I want to go off of, um, you mentioned increasing good proteins and fats. You guys, if you haven't listened to our fat podcast, please do because a lot of the sex hormones and hormones in general need cholesterol. And what we know Mm -hmm. from the past 50 years of really bad information and research and marketing was that fat has been demonized for too long. And now we're in this massive health epidemic where everyone is sick. We need to romanticize fat again and the healthy fats, you know, the, the saturated fats, especially. Um, I, I mean, if you can do dairy, then do grass fed butter or ghee or something like that. What do you have to say about that, Tris? Yeah, no, I'm right on board with that. And and I want to also hit on the second thing that Nina said about this, which is that uh, we want to cut out stuff that's causing yes. problems for us. Because mm-hmm. what I see all the time on the blood cum analyses that I do is that people get their liver all in a tangle yeah. and the liver can't do its job very well. And that leads to these big excesses of estrogen that mm-hmm. their bodies mm-hmm. can't clear. And then they wonder yes. why they've got this huge imbalance between their estrogens and their progesterones. And I think one of the yeah. re- really important things is you guys, sugar is so bad for your hormones. So bad. It's bad for your liver. It's bad for your hormones. Because remember when you eat sugar, your body has to release insulin. And I think we forget that insulin is a hormone. And what is that doctors put uh, women on when they have PCOS, it's metformin. Metformin, yeah, yeah. You know, and it's to stabilize blood sugar. What, because, what is metformin for people that aren't aware of that? Oh, so when you are diagnosed with type two diabetes, it's uh, it's to help get insulin into your cells. So it brings down your blood glucose levels. And so what they're basically doing is they're tricking people's bodies who have PCOS by bringing down their blood glucose levels and forcing sugar into the cells. And so um, we know that there is a massive correlation with too much uh, sugar intake and PCOS. So what is the first thing you need to do? Well, not the first because you need to heal your gut, eat more fats and proteins, but you need to cut out sugar drastically. Like drastically mm-hmm. you guys or take metformin <laughs> no don't int- because there's a whole <laughs> bunch of <laughs> there's so many that's the problem that's the problem with pharmaceuticals is that once you know there's so many other side effects that go along with them yes. when when like you just mentioned cutting out your sugar mm-hmm. it can get to the root of the problem of exactly. course with eating the other things you need to do to stabilize your blood sugar yeah. but there's so much that we can do yes. uh, but we're just not informed when we go to the doctor that no. there are these things yeah exactly. well, and that, that's something we see a lot too and it's kind of frustrating the way that the system has trained us all to think that there's a magic pill for every condition out there right. so we'll have people who they've had it with the medical system they're done but they come to us and they still want that same approach and that's instead supplement. of what's the medication they say well yeah what's the supplement Mm -hmm. just just give me Mm -hmm. a couple of supplements and then 
we'll wait a few weeks and see if it works because mm-hmm. that's how it works with the medication. And right. it's so hard to retrain people to have more realistic expectations. Mm-hmm. And like yeah. it's a lifestyle approach, it's not a like substitute the med for the supplement. And, and, and I think that's really scary for a lot of people, you know, like completely redoing their, their baseline for nutrition and eating because food is so emotional, right? So, 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 okay. Nina, aside from sugar, what are some things that you would put on the absolute do not touch list when it comes to foods? Mm. So uh, can I preface by saying one thing? So the first thing that I I really work with, have you guys heard of intuitive eating? Yes. Yeah. So I try really, really hard when I'm working with my women because of diet culture to not put foods in like black or white Mm -hmm. or to not put them in the extremes and to demonize them because I found that we have so much, you know, brainwash Mm -hmm. from diet culture and everything that we create these restriction mindsets that then further are um, the stress in our body and then cause us actually to fail when we do yeah. that. And yeah. so I, what I do is I like to really say we're crowding this out because when we say crowding it out, then we bring in replacements and then we don't crave those things. That's so um, we don't crave them anymore mm-hmm. because we're actually giving our body what it needs on a biological level. But yeah, sugar of course is one of them. And then also like when you're really struggling, like alcohol, and I know this one's hard too, but coffee, caffeine, mm-hmm. it can really, you know, elevate inflammation and, totally. you know, aggravate premenstrual syndrome, which is something that I focus on highly. Mm. So those, and then inflammatory oils are huge and those huge. are hidden in everything. So mm-hmm. it's like, we've heard like canola oil is the way to go. Well, it's not for your hormones. So <laughs> looking into like inflammatory oils and making sure you're using coconut oil, avocado oil, you know, olive oil, um, and watching the way that you're using your olive oil, that's kind of, I go to those things first, but how yes. do we replace them with things, you know? And, and on that note, if you go to a restaurant, 99% of the time they're using those bad oils. Yeah, They are. If, yeah. if you go to a grocery store and you buy a prepared food, prepackaged mm-hmm. food, or even something like chips and crackers probably mm-hmm. has one of those bad oils. Well, what's also mm-hmm. frustrating is like healthy snacks. They're, they all have sunflower oil, like all of them. Yeah. And that's inflammatory. Just now I'm seeing seaweed because my kids love seaweed, but it's always with sunflower oil. Yeah. Just now I'm seeing seaweed with olive oil. And I'm like, yes, mm-hmm. let me stock up on that. But again, like I don't, and again, we're now getting into like the details and the devils in the details, but I don't know how much they've heated that olive oil. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, is it now right. rancid? How long has it been on the shelf? Yeah. So again, it's the devil's in the details, but it is something to look out for. If you, it's, it's going back to basics of making your own food, prepping your own food. So you know exactly where it's coming from. But if you are going to eat a lot of healthy snacks, um, just watch out for those uh, seed oils, those nut oils, the, you know, because yep. they can wreak havoc on your body and aggravate inflammation. And I, like I mentioned, I'm kind of going through some things right now with my own hormones and I've noticed I have let that kind of slide a little bit. You know, Mm -hmm. I'm getting, even if it's organic, like you guys, have you heard of Simple Mills? Like I love their Simple Mills, almond flour crackers or other Mm, things are going out even to Mm -hmm. quote unquote, like organic restaurants and healthy restaurants. But there are a lot of things being thrown in there that even though they're labeled organic, doesn't mean that they're not inflammatory to the system. And so my big thing is, I want to feel better. So I might take a more strict protocol right now for my body because I need to. Mm -hmm. And, you know, you also have to know it's okay to have those things once in a while. Your body is really resilient. But 
you'll start to notice when it becomes an unhealthy pattern for you again. Yeah. And we always talk about the 80, 20 rule, or in some cases, the 90, 10 rule, which is that it's okay to have those things occasionally, as long as they are the exception to mm-hmm. your normal routine, not, right. not a regular part mm-hmm. of it. Right. So for listeners out there, what I, and Nina, maybe your recommendations are different, but what I try to tell people is, you know, go for about eight to 12 servings of vegetables a day. You know what I mean? Like you are not going to feel hungry eating eight to 12 servings of vegetables. It's going to fill you up. It's going to be really satiating, getting lots of healthy fats. That too is going to be extremely satiating for you. And um, I had a mom come to me one day and she said, please, can you tell my daughter to stop eating sugar and that she's not allowed it? And I said, I'm not going to do that. But what I'm going to tell her Mm -hmm. is eat all your veggies and then have your cup of ice cream. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like, just get that goal in to nourish your body and get that nutrient dense food in there. And then over time, she's going to crave that ice cream less and less and less. And she's going to start craving the veggies more yeah. and more and more. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's, but, but like you said earlier, when we go into that, no, you can't have the ice cream anymore. It's only vegetables. Not only that is the most depressing thought on the face of the planet, but it now <laughs> yeah. becomes like the forbidden apple, right? And so right. we all have that rebellious child in us where we're like, I'm going to go and sneak that ice cream while no one's watching. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like, so, so eat the healthy foods. Your gut biome will catch up. It'll start to force your body to crave that healthy food. Um, I've never had a person who has gone on like a nutrition protocol like this, um, come back to me a month or two later and be like, you know, I still hate vegetables. Like they're always saying, I crave vegetables. I can't wait for my vegetables. I can't wait for my green smoothie in the morning. You know, and Mm -hmm. and I love hearing that because the body adapts, the body craves these things and we don't even realize how depleted we are. And when you do it from a whole foods perspective, that really does taste delicious Mm -hmm. because people are used to, you eat your vegetables with like nothing on them, but with a whole foods perspective, you can put some really delicious fats with those vegetables Mm. when you cook them and it tastes so good. Mm. And then lots of salt. I just had it this morning. I had like a bunch of leafy greens and some coconut oil and I put a little like garlic on it and I had Mm. eggs and some, and sweet potato. And I was like, this Mm. is, I felt so satisfied and so good. I haven't had Um, breakfast yet and I am hungry now. (laughs) Yeah. Oh, it's, well, it's almost 12 o'clock for me here in Ohio. So I'm like rolling up on lunch. But you're right. Like uh, adding in those servings of vegetables, like trying to get those fibrous vegetables in each meal and leafy mm-hmm. greens and then making sure. And the amount of protein you need is really, I think, varies on everybody. Like we, we know this bio-individuality with nutrition, mm-hmm. but making sure you're getting good quality protein in and then like I always try and get at least like two tablespoons of healthy fat or more mm-hmm. in, in each of my meals. Yes. Um, and that's what you need to do. Exactly. And just to remind listeners, I say this all the time, fat doesn't make you fat. <laughs> Sugar makes you fat. <laughs> so exactly, the 90s. Mm-hmm. So I've, I've got a question that I think is on a lot of people's minds. Nina, what are your thoughts on soy? Is that a problem when it comes to women's hormones? There's, a lot of conflicting research, I think, with soy. And I personally, if you're struggling with estrogen dominant symptoms, I mean, it's a phyto, uh, phy- oh, I just forgot the term. A phytoestrogen. Phytoestrogen. Thank you. Um, a phytoestrogen. So when you're consuming soy and you don't really know how it's going to react in the body, it can mimic your naturally occurring estrogen. And mm-hmm. so especially if it's processed soy, we don't want to get near that right. at all. Mm. 
I know that some women can feel good if they're eating, you know, for example, maybe edamame or fermented tempeh um, in like the first half of their cycle when their estrogen is rising anyway, it can Mm -hmm. kind of support that. But if you're struggling with estrogen dominance in the luteal phase, the second half of your cycle, I really would encourage you not to to play around with soy and especially like soy milk or tofu. It's so processed. Your body doesn't know what to do with that. So processed. So keep to the edamame if you're not estrogen dominant. Uh, What do you think about like kids and men eating soy? Like if it's edamame non-processed? I have not again, done much research as far as the men's body goes when it comes to that. But Mm -hmm. I would think it would be okay if you're eating these whole versions of soy that are not processed. And it's always with moderation, right? Like if you're eating soy Mm -hmm. for breakfast, lunch, and dinner, if you're having it like once or twice a week, like it's not that big of a deal. Uh, Again, depending Mm -hmm. on your particular body, right? And and that actually brings me to a question. And if this is going to take us way off track, you can just say no, Tristan. But um, (laughs) how do do women know if they're estrogen dominant? Yes, So there are a lot of symptoms that are correlated with estrogen dominance. So if you're struggling with heavy periods, long lasting periods, menstrual cramps, uh, mood swings before your period, that all can, you know, be contributed to estrogen dominance. Menstrual headaches have a lot to do with estrogen dominance, but then you can go ahead and you can get your levels checked. If you don't want to just kind of guess, Mm -hmm. Uh, you can get a saliva test or the Dutch test, which is one of the most comprehensive. It's a dried urine test. So it will actually tell you what your level of estrogen is and then where and how your body is metabolizing your estrogen, which is pretty fantastic information. So is that your preferred test, the Dutch test? Yeah, it's fantastic. I was just looking at a client um, and it really tells you because we have these different pathways that our estrogen can go down Mm -hmm. and one, you know, makes things grow. So if your estrogen is going down, you know, the 16 pathway, you're more predisposed to perhaps breast cancer or fibroids. Um, Mm -hmm. But if your estrogen is going down the two pathway, which is the pathway we want it to go down, Mm -hmm. then that's okay. But you don't really know that unless you're testing. Then we also kind of know if you're actually metabolizing your estrogen and effectively, um, which is something else that the Dutch test tells you. That's really cool. Um, I'm, I'm assuming things that, um, encourage that 16th pathway um, metabolism is inflammatory foods, sugar, all that kind of stuff, because sugar has like IGF and all of that stuff that just Mm -hmm. enhances cancer growth, cystic growth, all that kind of stuff. Um, Okay. Can we, I would love to talk about birth control and um, alternatives to that. Uh, Can we go down that rabbit hole? Because everyone, because I've, so one of my, I think one of my most popular stories on Instagram is when I'm talking about oral birth control, how oral hormone just messes up your gut biome. But not only that, Mm -hmm. they were a few years ago, excuse me, I was uh, researching uh, hyperbaric oxygen therapy for cancer. And I came across this uh, cancer summit where some, uh, some researchers were presenting on uh, birth control and the links to cancer and how no one is talking about it. Can we talk about it? <laughs> yeah, let's talk about it. Where do we want to start? <laughs> um, from the beginning, what, okay, why are our doctors not informing, giving us like informed consent of the side effects of it? Like, is it because they just don't know? And please educate our listeners about the risks of birth control. Yeah, well, Going back to what our doctors learn, you know, how they how they go through medical training, they learn that the birth control 
pill is the solution mm-hmm. for any of the things that we're struggling with when it yeah. comes to women's health, most of them. So a part of me says, I can't fault them for that because that's their education, that's, yes. you know, and, mm-hmm. and it will quote unquote work to mask the symptoms. So women can feel better, but there's also 50% plus women that feel absolutely worse when they're on birth control. Mm -hmm. So when you go in, that's the solution that they're giving you, but they are not informing us of all of the small little intricacies of what can happen when our body's actually taking birth control. I mean, they'll say things like, uh, you know, if you if you have blood clotting in your family, then you might not want to be on the combination pill because of the estrogen. Like they will say big things like that. But when it comes to depression or weight gain or, you know, just the fact that some women never get their period back after mm-hmm. they they get off the pill, they're not saying these things to us. Right. So I think it's really up to us um, in the work that we're doing to share these things. Yeah. Okay. And- so, yeah. Go ahead. No, I was going to say, okay. And so what are some of the risks that people should be aware of? So when you're taking the pill, what essentially is happening, and it kind of depends on which pill you're on. So if you're on the combination pill, which is synthetic estrogen and synthetic progesterone called progestion, you're really, you're shutting off the communication between your brain and your ovaries. Mm -hmm. So you don't ovulate. Mm -hmm. And this, of course, causes a lot of problems because women are used to going through these four phases weekly uh, within their menstrual cycle. So that means estrogen rising, ovulation, uh, estrogen peaking, progesterone then taking over, and then of course, menstruation. Mm -hmm. Uh, And so when we have this natural flow and this beautiful dance of our hormones going on every single month, it supports our mood. It supports, of course, the hormones that we need for pregnancy. That's something we're looking forward to down the line. Um, it, of course, birth control, as we know, affects the gut microbiome. Mm-hmm. So there's just all of these things that taking the pill kind of just stops and prevents. Mm-hmm. Um, and we need our naturally cycling hormones to feel well. It stabilizes our weight. Again, it stabilizes our mood. It allows us to have a period and release toxins mm-hmm. and when we're taking the birth control, I kind of touched on it a bit, but it affects our gut microbiome, which as we all know, then contributes to a host of other functions in the mm-hmm. body. So like autoimmune yeah. issues, inflammatory issues, all that kind of stuff. Um, yeah. The way we absorb our food, our serotonin levels, mm-hmm. so many things. Well, and does taking the pill put you in more of an estrogen dominant state? So when you're taking the pill, it kind of, it kind of puts you on a man cycle, to mm-hmm. be honest. So you're getting like a low steady dose of these synthetic hormones mm-hmm. um, on a 24-hour schedule. Yeah. So I don't necessarily think it puts you in a more estrogen-dominant state, although it, when you get off the pill, it can definitely contribute to that. Mm-hmm. But you're just getting this low and steady dose of synthetic hormones every single day. Gotcha. There is also the progestion-only pill, the mm-hmm. mini pill. So there's no estrogen in that. Um, and some women do actually ovulate, but the problem with that is you're not getting your natural progesterone, which yeah. helps us to feel calm and grounded and helps with mood stabilization um, yeah. and all of that. So, Right. Okay. And so what are some alternatives to birth control for women? I really like to teach women about the um, fertility awareness method, mm-hmm. which is how to track your cycle 
what to look for, how to know when ovulation is about to happen, taking your temp every morning, looking at cervical mucus, um, which I know sounds kind of gross, but it's, <laughs> it's a necessity. Um, so natural family planning and the fertility awareness method, of course, you can use a condom or a diaphragm or something like that if that's your choice as well. But those are really the, the areas that I preach. And I personally practice Sam, um, myself, and you know, I might be thinking about having a child soon, but I haven't been pregnant. I've been with my husband for ten years now, so mm-hmm. it works. Yay! <laughs> Nina, mm-hmm. does does the fertility awareness method require you to have a pretty consistent period, though? Because we we do work with a lot of women who their periods are all over the place. Mm-hmm. Um, would would that method yeah. be problematic for them? So, if you're taking your temperature every morning. We're then able to see if you're ovulating. So that's kind of the first thing. And it can be difficult. I would say if you have a a cycle that's a little bit all over the place, I would suggest that you actually work with a fertility awareness educator because Mm -hmm. they can really help you look into the nitty gritty of things. But when you're taking your temperature, you're able to see, okay, my temp has now spiked past my baseline. So I can confirm that I have ovulated. So now I know that I'm safe to have unprotected sex post ovulation because obviously there's no egg that's going to be floating around in there anytime mm-hmm. soon until after your period. Okay. So you can kind of confirm that way. And then you can get you, you have to really get used to tracking your cervical mucus so that you can see if you're fertile, if you're in that fertile window. Mm-hmm. Um, so no matter where you are in your cycle, those are some signs that you can definitely look at, but I would say it does make it a little bit more difficult. Yeah. Okay. Um, what is, can we talk a little bit about, I know we brushed on, uh, liver health, but can you explain to listeners, um, why is liver health so important? And, um, you know, because we, I, what I want to just say really fast is, um, we live in a society where we just eat sugar for breakfast, lunch, and dinner. And that is so hard on our livers, especially the amount of fructose. I mean, we, we drink tons of soda or sugary coffee or something like that. And that's hard on our livers. What is it about the liver that is so important for women's hormones? Um, other than metabolizing estrogen, what else does it do? So our liver obviously helps us to package up the toxins that our gut is later than going to eliminate for us. Mm -hmm. When we are, again, like you mentioned, eating a lot of sugar or again, putting like toxins on our body, skincare, Mm -hmm. um, burning candles that have a lot of toxins in them, our body, our liver has to process all of that. And so what it's doing is it's working so hard just to package up and process the toxins from our food and then from all of these products and things that we're using, even toxins in our water, everything that it takes over. And then our estrogen kind of gets left behind and recirculates in the bloodstream. So it's important to make sure that you're doing things to support your liver health. Like of course, eating proper nutrition, Mm -hmm. um, getting in good like antioxidants that support the liver, like berries. You can even supplement if you want with like N-acetylcysteine or glutathione, but Mm -hmm. focusing on things that support your liver and then eliminating products and things that are going to tax your liver as well. So that way it has more time to do what it needs to do to help with our estrogen and our hormone levels to make us, to make sure that we're getting those out of the body. I love that. Nina, are you a fan of doing the liver cleanses and things like that to speed up that process? So I 
do. I mean, obviously our body is a naturally natural detoxifier and it does this for us every day. But I think it can be really helpful, especially if you consider doing like a, a liver boosting salad or there's some smoothies and drinks that you can do that give your body the antioxidants and the foods and the nutrients it needs. I don't think like a specific detox uh, is always necessary, mm -hmm. but when it comes to focusing on if you're getting in those foods through a smoothie or a drink or a salad or, you know, a liver food protocol for a little bit, that's mm -hmm. beautiful. I think people confuse that sort of detox with like just a juice detox that they don't really right. need. If that, if that makes sense. That Perfect makes sense. a lot of sense. Yeah. Thank you. Um, can we talk about xenoestrogens? We spoke about this in our last hormones episode, but what I mentioned then was like, we're, ha we're seeing these young girls starting their periods, like, as early as eight years old, uh, the majority of, I think, young girls is between 12 and 14, which is still really young. Um, it really mm -hmm. should be more around the age of 14. But the reason why we're seeing this um, is because, and what I explained, and maybe you can add to it, is, you know, from babies, we are heating up milk in plastic bottles. We're eating out of plastic. Mm -hmm. We're heating plastic. Like you said, we're putting perfumes on our bodies, which are endocrine disruptors. Um, they mimic hormone. Um, they they block certain pathways that allow for metabolism to happen. Um, not only that, but you mentioned the water, you know, like the colorants that we have in food, the, the candles, the, just every, the hair product, our makeup. Mm. I mean, I think of so how many my, things, so many things. Like I just think of how my daughter, I bought some makeup for my son's uh, Halloween costume last year. And it's, it's like hidden in the corner of my bathroom untouched, except when she finds it and then she puts it all over her body. You know what I mean? So like, no, she, no. Right. Right. <laughs> yeah. You know, and I'm just like, Oh my gosh, it's all like these perfumes and these colorants and stuff. But, um, yeah. like, can you add to that and like explain to us why we are having this epidemic? Of, you know, like, is there something more to it or is it just everything is chemicals and we need to just decrease our exposure to them? I think that you kind of hit the nail on the head and okay. there's so many endocrine disruptors everywhere. I mean, you just listed off like plastics, our mm -hmm. food, like even again, if we go to whole foods, we're buying something, it's probably in plastic, in plastic you know, yes. we have to, we have to, uh, our cans are lined and I can't even remember what it's called with they're not BPA free, mm -hmm. but, right. um, you know, they're everywhere. And the thing is we don't want to walk around being afraid of everything totally. because let's be, let's be real. We walk outside and there's pollutants in the air and we exactly. go to the mall and we're breathing in endocrine disrupting fragrances everywhere mm -hmm. we turn. Right. So the only thing we can do is we can control what we purchase yes. and what we put into our own bodies. Mm -hmm. So choosing glass Tupperware, making sure that you're, especially um, if you have a daughter that's, you know, getting ready to use makeup, go and educate her on clean beauty products. Yeah. Make sure that your home and your shower and your cleaning products, we didn't even talk about, you know, the spray that you put on your counters or the laundry right. detergent that you Cleaners. use every single week. Yep. Right. Like, you can control what you bring into your own home. And I also, and pans, that's another thing. Um, you know, our pans that are lined with like nonstick chemicals, yeah, yeah. that's, that's an endocrine, endocrine disruptor as well. So yeah, it's like looking into what you can do to make sure that you have a clean home. And also that kind of rubs off on the people around you. Mm -hmm. And you can bring, you can bring your glass bottles and containers everywhere you go if you need yeah. to. But that's the first thing because then you are, you're supporting your liver so that it can do what it needs to do. Mm -hmm. And I think that's really all we can do when it comes to that is just 
trying to do our best to yes. buy the products that are best for us. Yeah. And, and I love, Oh, go ahead. Trish. Well, and like you said, not worrying too much about it, right? That's mm-hmm. the great paradox is that we're supposed to make these drastic life changes, but we also can't get too stressed yeah, because exactly. that causes right. tons of problems on its own. So mm-hmm. it's, it's a tricky line yeah. to walk of. This of, is, this is what I recommend to people is as soon as you use up all of your, you know, fragrant lotion, then replace it with the healthier one. As soon as you use exactly. up your, your bet, because you've been using it for years, like what's another few weeks going to be. Right? Um, right. I mean, unless you are in like, unless you, everything's burning down, then get rid of it completely, but just make these slow changes, like use it up and then replace with something better and cleaner. You know, a few things that I would highly recommend for listeners right now, if you do want homework is all your cleaning products and your, um, your laundry dryer sheets, throw those out today because those are extremely toxic. So if and you, cheap replacement. So yeah. yes, there's so many cheap replacements like vinegar and water. You guys, there is the company that we love called branch basics and force of nature, which is fantastic and clean. But again, just use like vinegar, uh, white vinegar and water for your dryer sheets. Like throw those out today. Don't ever use them ever again. Don't even give them to your neighbor because you don't want to poison them. <laughs> but, um, those are highly carcinogenic. What you can do right. is just buy some like cotton, um, dry your balls and take essential oils and put about like five to 10 drops on those dryer balls and throw it in. And your whole house smells like aromatherapy oils. And it's fantastic. Um, like, and so that's what I tell people is, you know, those are the big ones, get rid of those. But like, if you, if like lotions use up and then get clean ones, um, I don't know, what, what would you add to that? What do you, what do you guys think is super important that people should be wary of? You know, I, w- I just want to add one thing, too, when it comes to if we're eliminating all of these products, just a couple other simple things you can do just to support yourself. It just sounds silly, but just drink more water and then make sure you're getting enough sleep because those two yes. things are also going to help your body detox. And those are two things that you also have control over, right? Exactly. So like going to bed and making sure you're getting enough sleep because that's when your body cleans out your system. Exactly. Waking up and having a glass of room temperature water mm-hmm. as you're crowding out all the products, bring in those two things and just help your body and it's the toxification process. I love it. Oh, one other thing I do want to add is, um, women, our tampons, what are we putting in ourselves? Are they, Mm. do they have fragrances? Please get rid of them. Like get organic cotton. I've got a question on tampons. I've heard from people before that there is no such thing as a healthy tampon, that even an organic cotton one is still problematic for women. I would say it's way better than anything else. Um, I, I agree. So I actually use the cup, <laughs> the silicone cup. The Diva cup. Uh-huh. I use the Diva cup. And um, and then I, for me personally, like tampons make me cramp, so I hate them. And so I'll use the Diva cup and I'll just use the organic cotton pads for like panty liners I have and to stuff. admit, I haven't used the menstrual cup yet and I need to. I'm like, I have, the, I'm always promoting women, like use the menstrual cup. It's good for the environment. It also <laughs> is obviously toxin free silicone mm-hmm. so uh, but I haven't done it myself I don't know why <laughs> I think I'm just nervous because of the change but it, it, you're right even organic cotton mm-hmm. has some stuff in there it's sometimes it has bleach in there still Are which you is serious? kind of mind-blowing oh yeah you have to look um but I use and again oh, I haven't done a whole host of research on it but I use Lola and Cora okay. and I think somebody told me once that Lola had some stuff in it mm-hmm. but again it's 
how much better than so going better. and using, yeah. Than the other like Tampaxes. The conventional that, brand. That, that smells like perfumes. And and your, right. your uterus has so many blood vessels, you guys. Like it absorbs everything, everything. So um, be careful what you put up there uh, because it's not good. Yeah. Okay, I, I do want to talk about the Diva Cup. Um, it's kind of like going on a first blind date. You just have to like get through it. Do you know what I mean? Like, yeah. like it's, it's a little bit more explorative than I would prefer. But like, once you get it, you get it and you just have to play around with it for a little bit. And then, um, okay. Sorry, men who are listening right now. No, don't it, be sorry. Okay. Actually don't be, I, I need to go on a soapbox okay. for a second. We <laughs> need to stop stigmatizing women's bodies. I know that's and true. This is probably Preach. the single most important area where this can happen because Thanks, we have not only trained men that it's none of their business and they should be disgusted to even hear that it exists, but we've trained women that they shouldn't be talking about it. That, mm, that's that, so true. Their bodies are nobody else's business when it comes to the gross stuff, it's so true. but their bodies are everybody's business when it comes to the it's stuff. So, guys true. Like. So, so isn't it crazy that, sorry, go, no, ahead. No, go ahead. No, go, go. <laughs> I was going to say, isn't it crazy that I'm in this line of work and so are you and I even apologize for saying cervical mucus. I was like, I know that's kind of gross, right. but, well, you, but you're right. It's years, it's centuries of women being mm-hmm. afraid yeah. and stigmatized talking about their periods. Yeah. Totally. And it's absolutely terrible because it prevents women from learning about their bodies so the way true. that they need to. It's so true. Women are mm. afraid to talk to their own daughters about mm. their daughters' bodies. And so the daughters are learning it from the internet, from their friends, I from know. their doctors, heaven forbid. And they're never getting a true understanding of it. And much less are they really appreciating it and seeing mm-hmm. the beauty in the whole thing. That's so true. So um, kind of back to what I was, I was saying though is I unapologize. Yes. So let's talk about this. When you do start using the Diva Cup, it's a little messy. So that's mm, the only that's thing I want to, I just want to <laughs> warn people like it's messy. You probably don't want to play around with it in a public bathroom. Like if you're going to utilize it, like make sure you're at home or in a safe environment, like at work where you feel comfortable, like you're right next to a sink so that when you're pulling it out, you can wash your hands and wash the cup and so on and so forth. Because when you're in a public stall, you're not next to a sink. So I just want people to just, if, if you are going to play around with it and you're going to try and utilize it, I really love it. I hardly ever cramp on it. Every time I put a tampon in, mm. I cramp. And so, but these, these diva cups, I don't like, I've only cramped probably twice and I've used it for like the past five months. You know, so it's, well, and for somebody that's dealing with pain like me, I know that I, I if I was my own coach, I would be telling myself to try the Diva Cup. Right? There's a quiz. <laughs> there's a quiz out there. Uh, I don't know if you know the name of it. I linked it actually to a few of my clients, but you can take this quiz to figure out which one is right for you okay. and the size and the brand. Cool. Um, oh, I'm really sorry. So, I can't think of the name of it right so, now, but I bet if you type in menstrual cup quiz in Google, okay. talk, going back to Dr. Google, we'll you'll find it. it. I, I we'll think put I it. found it. I think I found it. I, uh, Put a cup in it.com. Put a slash cup. quiz. Yes, there we go. Quiz. And we'll put it in the show notes, you guys. Put a cup in it. So true. Okay. Put a cup in it. That's fantastic. Um, Nina, anything else that listeners need to know about their uh, sex hormones and all of that? Hmm. I think the main thing I would like to tell anybody that's listening is your body, we touched on it a little bit, it goes through this beautiful hormonal dance every single month. And we want our natural hormones rising mm-hmm. and falling to support our body and to support our health and to support our fertility, um, our mental and physical health in so many different areas. And so if you are just kind of diving into this, know that if you are on birth control, your body isn't getting that 
beautiful dance of hormones every single month. And if you're not on birth control and you're having a lot of symptoms of hormone imbalance, know that it's possible to get that that fluctuation back by doing a lot of the things we discussed in this conversation. But also, you know, I really like talking about the cycle syncing method. There's a lot of food you can eat for each week of your cycle, honoring what your mental health and your physical health needs in each week of your menstrual cycle and supporting your body that way is going to really um, jumpstart your hormonal healing. That's really cool. I love the idea that you can support yourself through all Mm -hmm. four phases and that do you do like a, a course or do can you work with people remotely? Yeah. Yeah. So one on, so right now I just been doing one-on-one. So I see people in person in Columbus and also uh, over zoom. So we mm-hmm. can do it that way, cool. but I'm working on a course right now that is launching in January and it'll have all of my tools, pretty much my, my four months program all packaged online for people to purchase that way. Very cool. I love that. Okay. And how can people find you? Uh, very active on Instagram. So at nourished with Nina, as well as my podcast, healing hormones. Um, you can also find a lot of good stuff on my website, which is just nourishedwithnina.com. Perfect. And, uh, before we close up, I just want to end on a note. Nona, Nina, you've been, um, mentioning this throughout the podcast is the importance of stress. And I just want to explain to listeners yeah. again, what happens when we are stressed and it, it's why we need to prioritize that. And I really want to thank you for bringing that to light because oftentimes I completely brush over that because I'm actually a very highly anxious person. But what happens is um, when you're stressed, you have these organs that sit on top of your kidneys called the adrenals and they produce like cortisol and epinephrine and norepinephrine, but then they also produce DHE. And DHEA is a precursor to a lot of your sex hormones, you guys. Mm-hmm. Now, now cortisol, which is also produced by those adrenals, that's your stress hormone. And when you are highly stressed, your adrenals are going to hijack that DHEA, which is the precursor to your sex hormones. It's going to steal mm-hmm. it and convert it to cortisol to support your stress response. So when you are stressed, you are literally hijacking from your sex hormones. You are literally hijacking them. So cortisol and progesterone are like tied, you know, so the more cortisol you have, the The less less progesterone, progesterone. which is what, which is what's causing so much of these estrogen dominant symptoms because it's a ratio. You may not actually have elevated estrogen levels. They might be normal estrogen levels, but your progesterone is so low, Mm -hmm. tied a lot of times to stress. Also just to, sorry to butt in, but just women that are um, in menopausal age, their adrenals are then what are going to be producing their hormones. And so it's really important to prioritize stress and adrenal health, uh, especially if you're menopausal age. Yeah. Oh man. And we didn't even go into menopause. We're going to have to do another Another episode episode sometime. sometime. I know. And we'll have to talk about like supporting each uh, phase of the cycle and food. Nina, uh, thank you so much for your time. Any parting words before we close out? Because this has been so informative and I think listeners are going to love this. Love it, love it, love it. So mm. any other padding, parting uh, words of wisdom? No, not really. I just would say to all the women listening and men, just be an advocate for your own health and realize that yes. you are the expert on your own body. And if there's something going on, really push for yourself. There are resources out there that you guys, coaches, uh, holistic doctors, functional medicine doctors, there are resources out there for you to find your help. 
Yes. Thank you. Love it. Love it. Thank you, Nina. And to all you listeners, um, thank you for listening. Please leave us a comment or review. We love that. That helps other people find us. Um, thank you for always sharing your pod, uh, the podcast with your friends, you guys, like we really appreciate your support and your love and the feedback that we get. Um, you know how to find Nina it's at nourished with Nina, correct? Yeah, yeah. On Instagram. Okay, she's really active on there. So seek her out and uh, bask in all of her wisdom because she has a lot of it. Uh, thank you again, Nina. And we will talk to you listeners next week. See ya. Bye.